Letterboxd launched in 2011 and since then has become the go-to app for rating and reviewing movies. Let's go through the Letterboxd Top 100 Narrative Features. Hello movie friends, welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And today we're going to be taking a look at the Letterboxd Top 100 Narrative Feature Films. We adore Letterboxd like many of you do. I think it's an amazing app for film lovers and for movie lovers to connect and share their passion and love for films. And I think that it is a very impressive Top 100. IMDb also has a pretty solid one, but I do think that there are a few too many recent movies in the Top 100 of IMDb. And uh, it's kind of missing some foreign films, whereas this Top 100... I think is really outstanding, especially it's like top 50 is just very impressive, a wide range of films, a wide range of countries and decades. So I actually prefer this list over IMDb's. I had no idea, but Letterboxd launched in 2011. Is that old? That's that old. Wow. I was just, I hadn't even graduated college yet. I had Holy no fuck. idea. It started in 2011 by a small group, of, a small team that run it in New Zealand okay. still to this day. And I feel like when did it really pop? Like back in like two years 2017, ago. 2018. No, I, I never heard of it until I'd say t three years ago, maybe. I'd always heard of it, but I'd never been on it. And I actually didn't make an account until April this year. So you can follow me at James Potter underscore. And then Anthony runs the Raiders account. Raiders Lost Pod. So we're on there reviewing and logging all our, our movies. So I started logging my movies officially in April. And it's really fun. I've always been curious about it. I've always wanted to get it. But I feel like because of running the show and the podcast and being on social media apps, talking about movies and seeing all the content. I already knew everything about Letterboxd except <laughs> for being on it. So I always saw all the, the screenshots of it that people post, all their yeah. lists, everything. So I knew what it was. I was like, do I need to get it? But now that I have it, I wish I had it sooner. Yeah, same. And we were late to Letterboxd with the podcast page because I had, we knew of it, but I was like another app. There's already so much social media content that we do that I was like, feeling overwhelmed but i think we've become very efficient with our work and with our social media activity so that we were able to be like okay I, we have free time to work with letterbox and try it out and then it took me some time to understand letterbox and how to use it like i didn't know that uh if you didn't say that you already watched the movie people didn't think you watched it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just made my cut like you've never seen the godfather like oh i have to rate and let people you've know never I've seen, seen magnolia <laughs> i'm like i've seen it it doesn't say you've seen it so it took me a while to realize that there were all these little facets to letterbox that you had to do. Not had to, but it helped people understand how, what your movie watching was like and your history with film was like. So, James, how many films have you seen? Um, I, I tried to log as many as I could uh, earlier in the year or like a month ago. I was like, all right, I just got to sit down and do this. I have 2,893. That's a lot. That I've seen, but I feel like I'm missing plenty. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm missing plenty. And Did you put Deuce Bigelow in there? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> why do you always why do you always bring up Deuce Bigelow lately? Every episode anything brings up Deuce Bigelow because it's a masterpiece. It's yeah, but like it's such a the, it's the most random appreciated. It's classic. the most random movie to keep bringing up on our podcast. <laughs> I know you love it. <laughs> Apparently, you love it. I didn't realize it was your favorite movie, Anthony. Everybody knows that. Anyways, let's not talk about Deuce Bigelow any longer. <laughs> I've seen, but I mean, I don't know how many I've seen total in my life. Yeah. That's the thing. But I, I did a good job, I think, of going through as many lists as I could find. I can't on remember everything you saw when you were six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I can't remember everything I've seen when I was in my teenage years or even in the last 10 years. And maybe I didn't, I mean, you don't stumble across every.
every movie exactly on Letterboxd. I had to, I did the same thing, and I I just, it was I I spent three days looking for all the movies. I spent like a few hour window for three days straight just gathering my log list of everything I've seen. And I had to like search for movies. It was a grind, man. It I was, was like uh, it was like a, I was like oh man, I'm clocking into this Letterbox thing dude, again. Dude, last week. It said that I hadn't logged like Memento. I was like, "What? How did I?" Not- <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. So I was like, "There's so still I'm, movies I missed." I'm sure, I've seen over three thousand. I'm at. I've. I was able to log four thousand twenty-seven movies so far. It's quite a few. Quite a few, and I've seen two hundred and twenty-three this year. Since I've been logging in ape starting in April, I have seen ninety-seven. But um, also, when we first got Letterbox, I wasn't always saying I watched a movie. I haven't. I wasn't always like if I watched a movie, I logged it. So I've only logged 416 movies since I got the letterbox, but I've seen way more than that. But now, when I watch a movie, it's become my routine. Log it on letterbox, give it a, a review and a rating, or just a rating. But I wasn't in that habit at first last year with letterboxed. Now, I think it's okay to not leave a review as well. Same, same. I just leave ratings sometimes. Yeah. But I was when I first started, I'm like, I gotta leave something very witty and and clever, a great review. You were writing essays at first, not essays. <laughs> Every time I saw one of yours, it was like 16 paragraphs. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna read all this <laughs> for for game night. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but we're gonna talk about the top 100 movies on Letterboxd, and it's a pretty amazing list. I do have some opinions about it, like specifically with number 99. I'm shocked it's that high. But it should be a lot of fun to see what people oh my God. are rating the top 100 movies. Would you like to go from 100 to 1 or 1 to 100? 100 to 1. All right, let's do it. Yeah, there's still some there's some good movies here. Why don't here. you kick us off? All right, so first up. Also, I want to say I haven't seen every movie on this list. Same. Actually, there's quite a few movies that I've never seen. And there's a few movies I've never even heard of. So, so I've added to my list. I actually, Bear with us as we go through them. I actually watched one last night. It's at number 33 on this. Deuce Bigelow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Deuce Bigelow is number 14 yeah, on the Anthony's, top 100. Anthony's favorite movie, <laughs> apparently. But there's a movie at 46 on this list that I'd never heard of, and I watched it. And I'll tell you about it when we get to it. But I can't it was wait, man. Fantastic. I'm so excited. It sounds a little sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you don't really want to know. But there's a few movies I've never heard of. That's one of them. And there's a few movies I haven't seen. Um, so I can't wait to watch them now that they're on my list. So the first film I've never heard of. It's called Where is the Friend's House, directed by Abbas Kiarostami. Kiarostami, sorry. Kiarostami. Kiarostami. Ka- <laughs> I don't know why it was hard for me. Uh, you added like 17 letters yeah, to did. that name. Two- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Complicated. It's about an eight-year-old boy who must return to his friend's notebook he took by mistake, lest his friend be punished by expulsion from school. Has a 4.3 rating 
Um, 1.6 thousand fans have rated it, and 77,000 people have seen it on Letterboxd. I'm adding it to my watch list. Yeah, it's on my watch, li- watch list, too. I saw a trailer for it randomly on Film Talk a couple weeks ago, so I definitely want to check it out. Now, uh, on to number 99, which I have beef with this already, Same. this list already. 2001 A Space Odyssey is at number 99 on the Letterboxd 100. That is shocking because, for me, this is the greatest film ever made. And, of course, it's objective. I think it's top 10. But yeah. how- 2001 at number 99 is shocking. We've done an episode on this, obviously. We, you've all seen it, probably. It came out in 1968, directed by Stanley Kubrick. It's it's pretty odd. I mean, I, I think it's only a 4.3 as well on Letterboxd. I don't know how I feel about this. Well, there are people like, listen to this review real quick. 2001 Space Odyssey is quite simply the worst thing to happen to cinema ever. Its forced profundity has caused millions of people all over the world to force themselves to like what is quite simply nothing more than an exercise in style. Oh my god. Okay, and this they is transform- that, they this- googled profundity before they <laughs> wrote that review. This is Transformers for the art house crowd. And that has 40 4400 likes. It's shocking that what Kubrick did in 1968 with this film is obviously appreciated. It's in the top 100 on Letterboxd. It's still high praise, but to be at number 99, I think it's very much misunderstood then by younger generations and not appreciated and obviously a lot of younger cinephiles and movie lovers, they're not really into films made Kubrick's not well loved. 1980. Kubrick's not well loved. That's odd. Well, I mean, The Shining, I'm sure, is on here way higher. Um, I don't see The Shining. It's got to be on here. We'll see. We'll we'll see if we get to it. All right, moving on to. But what the fuck? I don't know, man. Moving on to a great French film. Uh, one of the first international films I ever saw. I think this was the first French film I ever saw. The Four Hundred Blows by Francois Truffaut, for a young Parisian boy, Antoine Dionel. Life is one difficult situation after another. Surrounded by inconsiderate adults, including his neglectful parents, Antoine spends his days with his best friend, Rene, trying to plan for a better life. When one of their schemes goes awry, Antoine ends up in trouble with the law, leading to several more conflicts with unsympathetic authority figures. This is a a wonderful coming-of-age film. If you haven't seen it, add it to the top of your watch list. It's heartbreaking. It's profound. It's very tragic, and it's a very beautiful film. Number ninety-seven. I'm sorry, four point three rating on IMD on Letterbox, which is about seven points too low, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> this next one's a little low for me as well in terms of rating. Oppenheimer at number ninety-seven. Normally, I don't love seeing really new movies in like top fifty list, top hundred list, but obviously there are exceptions. Like I'm sure Parasite will be on here. But Oppenheimer at number 97 as an all-time film, I'm happy with that rating. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets a little higher up in the list as well over time. I think it deserves to be in a top 100 movie of all time in every single list after seeing that. And it's obviously an exceptional film. We all saw it multiple times in IMAX this year. You listened to our three-hour recap, which it deserved. It's an exceptional film. I think it's Nolan's best. It's so creative, emotional, and it's going to projected to hit 900 million dollars at the global box office which is absurd for a movie about physicists uh looks like it's going to be the most successful movie on this list except for one of his other films that's pretty wild and obviously nolan's going to have a couple movies in every top 100 list that's ever made if not then that list is not valid <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i'm happy with oppenheimer at number 97 i i wouldn't be surprised if it breaks top 50 in the next 10 years i actually i'm not pissed about it being 97 because i mean it just came out yeah that's what i mean so i mean it, it could go lower uh, but I think 97 is a good place. And for Nolan, I think this and his other film, there's one other film he's made that deserves to be on this list, and it is on the list. So I think it's a good pick at number 97. All right, next up, we have All About Eve, directed by Joseph Mankiewicz. What is Oppenheimer's rating? 
4.3. This also is a 4.3. Now this stars Betty Davis and Ann Baxter. It is about from the moment she glimpses her idol at the stage door, Eve Harrington is determined to take the reins of power away from the great actress Margot Channing. Eve maneuvers her way into Margot's Broadway role, becomes a sensation, and even causes turmoil in the lives of Margot's director, boyfriend, her playwright, and his wife. Only the cynical drama critic sees through Eve admiring her audacity and perfect pattern of deceit. Nice. Ni- 1950. It's an old movie. I'm not sure it's better than Oppenheimer, though. <laughs> I think so either. <laughs> I remember really liking it when I saw it. I've always seen it once, but... <laughs> Next up at number 95, we have Wild Strawberries, which is an Ingmar Bergman film. Came out in 1957. Anthony's lifting his hands in the air. My guy! This is also a 4.3. Crotchety retired director Isaac Borg travels from Stockholm to Lund, Sweden, with his pregnant and unhappy daughter... In law Marion, in order to receive an honorary degree from his alma mater, along the way they encounter a series of hitchhikers, each of whom causes the elderly doctor to muse upon the pleasures and failures of his own life. These include the vivacious young Sarah, a dead ringer for the doctor's own first love. Love it. At number 94, we have Soy Cuba, or also known as translated by I Am Cuba, directed by Mikhail Kalatotsov. Four vignettes about the lives of Cuban people set during the pre-revolutionary era. I've never seen this film. I'm adding it to my watch list. And it has very few ratings, only 576 ratings, but it has a 4.3. Um, looks like it could uh, blow up thanks to this list. So I'm 576 add it. ratings total? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty low. It's got 3,500 reviews. I feel like Letterboxd should have... Oh, I'm sorry, 17,000 ratings. Okay, thank you. Sorry. So you get a hover... I'm on the desktop version. It's arranged a little differently. Um, so it, you have to hover over the number rating, and it shows you how many ratings. So 17,000 ratings. I was going to say, like, I'm sure there's a there's requirement. There's got to be a minimum. Yeah, to yeah. be in the top 100 list. Otherwise, we'll get Midnight Ruin in the top 100. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to add Midnight Ruin to Letterboxd once we finish with the festival submissions. Eventually. Yeah, so hopefully by the end of the year we can do it. You guys can get that in the Letterboxd top 50. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> Next up at number 93, we have No Country from Old Men, the masterpiece. Four Old Men. What did I say? From uh, No Country for Old Men. Wrong preposition. Sorry, it's early in the morning. <laughs> no Country for Old Men. It's funny because I've seen this movie 30 times. I've read the book three times. It might times. be your most watched on this list. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be my favorite movie of all time back in the day. Uh, no Country for Old Men, the Coen Brothers masterpiece, came out in 2007. Best picture winner over There Will Be Blood. We've all seen it. We all love it. One of the best antagonists ever with Anton Sugar. Josh Brolin is sensational. Based on the novel by Cormac McCarthy about Lewin Moss. Llewellyn. Llewellyn. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw Lewin inside Lewin Davis. It's Lewin from Moss. <laughs> Llewellyn Moss, <laughs> who discovers a satchel full of cash satchel? in the desert. <laughs> What's in the satchel? <laughs> and then is on the run from gangsters, basically. And it's excellent. Love this movie. It's a perfect film. It has a 4.3 rating with 800 in 18,000 ratings. That's a lot of ratings. Next up, at number 92, we have Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's masterpiece, which came out in 1960. When larcenous real estate clerk Marion Crane goes on the lam with a lot of cash in hopes of starting a new life, she ends up at the notorious Bates Motel, where the manager Norman Bates cares for his housebound mother. The place seems quirky, but fine. Until Marion decides to take a shower. <laughs> I like how... Let's read the synopsis. They're fun, yeah. yeah. They're fun. I mean, we've talked about these movies a thousand times. Yeah. 
and it has a 4.3 rating on 581,000 ratings. I think everybody pretty much has seen Psycho. A thousand, a million members have seen Psycho. It came out in 1960. If you haven't seen it, throw this on your watch list. That's crazy. Psycho's a 4.3. I'm sorry. That's that's yeah. insane. That's insanely low. Yeah, it's that should be a 4.8. Review by Tina. Boring AF. Needs more explosions and big metal robots, in my opinion. <laughs> but I, they I, gave it three stars. Well, I get that's like a, a facetious and sarcastic review. But, but they also, gave it three stars, though. Yeah, I mean. So I think they meant it. Maybe they did. <laughs> Maybe they did mean it. All right, take us off to number 91. The Silence of the Lambs, directed by Jonathan Demi. Enter the mind of a killer. She must challenge. To enter the mind of a killer, she must challenge the mind of a madman. Clarice Starling is a top student at the FBI's training academy. Jack Crawford wants Clarice to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, a brilliant psychiatrist who is also a violent psychopath serving life behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism. Crawford believes that Lecter may have insight into a case that Starling, as an attractive young woman, may just be the bait to draw him out for Buffalo Bill. 4.3 on Letterboxd. This should be, honestly, in top 25. It's... Pretty damn low at 91, man. I mean, this is one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, I agree. How many uh, people have reviewed it? I can't see it on the... Oh, you can't see it on... All I can see is how many people have watched it. Oh, really? It. I can see logged, and then reviews is 84,000. Don't worry, 000. man. I got you. But we have ratings... a million ratings. 1.06 million ratings. It's a lot. It's a lot of ratings. All right, next up, we got a great, great silent film. We got an M by Fritz Lang, which came out in 1931, also known as... M in Stats Suchinen Mutter. There he goes. In this classic German thriller, Hans Beckert, a serial killer who preys on children, becomes the focus of a massive Berlin police manhunt. Beckert's heinous crimes are so repellent and disruptive to city life that he is even targeted by others in the CD Underworld network, with both cops and criminals in pursuit. The murderer soon realizes that people are on his trail, sending him into a sense, a tense, panicked attempt to escape. Justice. This has 110,000 ratings with a 4.3. This is an incredible film. Uh, Fritz Lang was a groundbreaking filmmaker in the silent era. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, so many movies in, in Hollywood were, were inspired by this. Main, and Hitchcock borrowed a lot from movies like this when he made his thrillers. I mean, he made some of the best movies ever made. I mean, Metropolis, kid. Metropolis. That better be on this list. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm kind of worried that it's not going to be. All right, number 89 is a film I have not seen called A Man Escaped. I'll try to pronounce it in French. Un condamne, a morte assiste, échappe. It's probably horrible pronunciation. A captured French resistance fighter during World War II engineers a daunting escape from prison. Oh, it's a prison escape film. I've never seen this. I'm going to have to check it out. The Extra Credits podcast, our friends rated it a five out of five stars out of five. Nice. All right, I mean, man, uh, I mean, the oh, the desktop version. I can't add things to my watch list. Really cool. Well, I mean, you can find this list anytime. I'll never be able to find this list it's again. The top fifty list. <laughs> but a man escaped at number ninety eighty nine with a four point three rating. Add it to your watch list. Forty thousand ratings. All right, next up, we got Inglorious Bastards, two thousand nine, directed by Quentin Tarantino. In Nazi-occupied France during World War II, a group of Jewish-American soldiers known as the Bastards are chosen specifically to spread fear throughout the Third Reich by scalping, brutally killing Nazis. 
The bastards, led by Lieutenant Aldo Rain, soon cross paths with a French-Jewish teenage girl who runs a movie theater in Paris, which is targeted by the soldiers. Your accent shifted into like three different. I was I I was just I would like a compliment. <laughs> no, you, you, you can't just compliment the accent. It was it was a really great accent, Anthony. Until it was horrible. It, I never said it was horrible. I'm just saying it just you changed. Just say it was nice. It was it was so <laughs> incredible. I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty damn good. This is a 4.3 with 1.3 million ratings. Deserves to be on this list, absolutely. Number 87, we have Charlie Chaplin. Mr. Charles. City Lights came out in 1931. I thought it was like just, just Charlie Chaplin is at the top. <laughs> City Lights came out in 1931, 4.3 on IMDb. True Blind Love. City Lights is the first silent film that Charlie Chaplin directed after he established himself with sound accompanied films the film is about a penniless man who falls in love with a flower girl and i'm sure a lot of you have seen some clips from this movie like on social media it's the one where he's in the boxing ring with the boxer and being very funny and playful with like that huge guy so this is an iconic film in his filmography again after going into talkies after being such a, a huge star in the silent film era not every silent film star their career survived switching to sound because people were like oh that's what you sound like so a lot, a lot of huge stars from the silent film era, their careers ended when talkies began, but Charlie Chaplin, he just soared to new heights. It has a 4.3 on 91,000 ratings. Came out in 1931. An oldie, but a goodie. Next up, at number 86, oh, we got a Fellini film, Knights of Cabiria. This came out in 1957. It's also entitled Le Notti di Cabiria, directed by Federico Fellini. has a 4.3 rating with... 42,000 ratings. Rome, 1957. A woman, Cabiria, is robbed and left to drown by her boyfriend, Giorgio. Rescued, she resumes her life and tries her best to find happiness in a cynical world, even when she thinks her struggles are over and she has found happiness and contentment. Things may not be what they seem. And Fellini's wife, Giulietta Massina, is actually the star of the film, just like in his film La Strada. Great film. Check it out. Next up at number 85, we have Three Colors Red. One of the trilogy from Christoph Klusowski. Now, this one came out in 1994. It's a 4.39 on Letterboxd. And this one is stars Irene Jacob. Part-time model Valentine meets a retired judge who lives in her neighborhood after she runs over his dog. At first, the judge gifts Valentine with the dog, but her possessive boyfriend won't allow her to keep it. When she returns with the dog to the judge's house, she discovers him listening in on his neighbor's phone conversation. At first, Valentine is outraged, but her debates with the judge over his behavior soon leads them to form a strange bond. It's the best of the trilogy, I agree. It's really good. I'm a huge fan of Blue as well. Have you seen White? Yeah, I've seen White. They're all, they're all excellent. All right, <clears throat> next up. We got Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Came out in 2022. Directed by Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan. An aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save what's important to her by connecting with the lives she could have led in other universes. It has a 4.3 rating with 1.6 million ratings. Tons of ratings. One of the most watched movies on Letterboxd so far. Obviously, we all know this film. Five-time Oscar winner. Excellent film. So much fun. Very emotional. I think everybody's seen it. I think so. Number 83, our first Tarkovsky film. I mean, Tarkovsky film. Sorry. <laughs> it's early. <laughs> first Tarkovsky film, Mirror, which came out in 1975. 
A dying man in his 40s recalls his childhood, his mother, the war, and personal moments that tell of a in juxt that tell of in juxtapose piz <laughs> Take a breath. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> a dying man in his 40s recalls his childhood, his mother, the war, and personal moments that tell of and juxtapose pivotal moments in Soviet history with daily life. This is a 4.3. If you're a fan of Oppenheimer, I recommend checking this out because Nolan was heavily inspired aesthetically by Mirror when he made it. Tarkovsky is your filmmaker's favorite filmmaker. <clears throat> Scenes from a marriage. And Raiders Lost Podcast is your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we got another Ingmar Bergman film, Scenes from a Marriage. Sinur Urit Dixkap. Sure. <laughs> Came out in 1974. Johan and Marianne are married and seem to have it all. Their happiness, however, is a facade for a troubled relationship which becomes even rockier when Johan admits that he's having an affair. Before long, the spouses separate and move towards finalizing their divorce, but they make attempts at reconciling. Even as they pursue other relationships, Johan and Marianne realize that they have a significant bond, but also many issues that hinder that connection. This was recently remade into a miniseries starring Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac. As a 4.3 rating with 30,000 ratings. It's absolutely phenomenal. Letterboxd has the short version listed, but I believe there is a four-hour version that I watched. Um, I, yeah, I believe it's four and a half hours, the real version. But a lot of Igmar Bergman's films he cut into like TV versions because a lot of his films played on TV. And so many of his films, he would shoot them four or five hours long, and then they would cut it down to like a two, two and a half hour film. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. It's really fantastic. It's it's actually like very much like Linklater's uh, Before Trilogy, but less less like romancy. Back to back Bergman, we got number eighty one, The Seventh Seal, an iconic film, came out in nineteen fifty seven. When disillusioned Swedish knight Antonius Block returns home from the Crusades to find his country in the grips of the Black Death, he challenges death to a chess match for his life. Tormented by the belief that God does not exist, Block sets off on a journey, meeting up with traveling players Joff and his wife Mia and becoming determined to evade death long enough to commit one redemptive act while he still lives. This is a 4.3 on Letterboxd. It's really cool to see back-to-back -back Bergman right here. 183,000 ratings. I believe he's the most common director so far in the top 100. As he should. Makes Very sense. Cool. All right, next up, we have Before Sunrise. Came out in 1995, directed by Richard Linklater. On his way to Vienna, American Jesse meets Celine, a student returning to Paris. After long, conversations forge a surprising connection between them. Jesse convinces Celine to get off the train with him in Vienna. Since his flight to the U.S. departs the next morning and he has no money for lodging, they wander to the city together, taking in the experiences of Vienna and each other. This film came out in 1995, has a 4.3 rating, on Letterboxd with 500,000 ratings. And we will be doing an episode on the trilogy on Monday. Cannot wait. I just watched Before Midnight last night. I hadn't seen it in a while. I heard them arguing. Man, it hit me. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because as you get older, like sometimes specific movies that even though you've seen them, they just connect with you differently and give yeah. you different perspectives. And I agree. Holy crap, it slapped me in the face. It was like a reality check. Yeah, it's great. I watched all three in one night. It's insane. It's tough to pick a favorite. Before Sunrise has always been my favorite, but I'm debating that now. But let's move on to our list. At number 79, I have not seen this film since Untango came out in 1994. Inhabitants 
of a small village in Hungary deal with the effects of the fall of communism. The town's source of revenue, a factory, has closed, and the locals, who include a doctor and three couples, await a cash payment offered in the wake of the shuttering. Eremias, a villager thought to be dead, returns and, unbeknownst to the locals, is a police informant. In a scheme, he persuades the villagers to form a commune with them. Interesting. 21,000 ratings for that with a 4.3. Next up, we have a Japanese film called Love Exposure. Marta McFly actually recommended this to me, so I'm, it's on my watch list. Directed by Sion Sono. The story of a teenage boy named Yu who falls for Yoko, a girl he runs into while working as an upskirt photographer in an offshoot of the porn industry. His attempts to woo her are complicated by a spot of cross-dressing, which convinces Yoko that she is lesbian. Dalliances with kung fu and crime, and a constant struggle with the guilt that it's a legacy of his Catholic upbringing. It has a 4.3 rating on 37,000 ratings. I saw the trailer for this actually last week after she recommended it to me, and I was like, okay, this looks pretty wild. I'm going to watch it. came out in 2008. Next up, we have at number 77, Lawrence of Arabia. Pretty... Pretty low on the list if you ask me. It should oh be top 25. Ugh. Released in 1962, directed by David Lean. One of the greatest adventures ever put to camera in cinema. A mighty motion picture of action and adventure. The story of British officer T.E. Lawrence's mission to aid the Arab tribes in their revolt against the Ottoman Empire during the First World War. Lawrence becomes a flamboyant, messianic figure in the cause of Arab unity. But his psychological instability threatens to undermine his achievements, it's a 4.3. It is one of the greatest epics ever made. Breathtaking, masterful filmmaking. Some of the greatest shots you'll ever see in your life. The greatest cut of all time. Mm. Between that and 2001 Space Odyssey. But, I mean, 77, I got some beef here. I got some beef here with Lawrence of Arabia at 77. It should be a lot higher. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, man. This I don't know. <laughs> I'm just so shocked. Yeah, he's so shocked, his voice is gone. As a uh, 4.3 on 131,000 ratings. Whatever, it's never going to move up the list. <laughs> Anthony's just going to... Yeah, whatever, man. Next up at number 76, we have The Pianist, which came out in 2002, directed by Roman Polanski. The true story of pianist Vladislav Spielman, Spielman's experiences in Warsaw during the Nazi occupation. When the Jews of the city find themselves forced into a ghetto, Spielman finds himself playing in a cafe, and when his family is deported in 1942, he stays behind, works for a while as a laborer, and eventually goes into hiding into the ruins of the war-torn city. This is based on Spielman's true book, his autobiography. This really happened. It's a stunning World War II film. It's a stunning, unbelievable achievement of filmmaking. I think this is a top 25 movie. Uh, it has a 4.3 rating on 413,000 ratings. If you haven't seen The Pianist, Add it to your list. Adrian Brody at the time was the, I think he still is, the still youngest is. Winner, winning Oscar winner for Best Lead Actor. He's absolutely phenomenal in the film. 20, I think he was 27, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but it's a stunning achievement of films. I keep saying stunning. I'm just going to stop saying it. It's one of the most powerful emotional films you'll ever see in your entire life. It's it's a devastating picture. It's um after Schindler's List, the, the greatest Holocaust film. Yeah, the, yeah, the best Holocaust yeah. film, probably. Man, what a movie! I'm just, I'm just thinking about it right now. It's devastating, but movies like this are so important because they are great mementos of history that you can read about, but visually seeing them, 
it's so much more profound and insightful. Moving on to number 75. Wow, we're 25% done. We're quarter in. The Thing from John Carpenter. Yeah! Released in 1982. Man, is the warmest place to hide. I think that might be the best tagline in the history of cinema. That or <laughs> in space, no one can hear you scream. I gotta say in space, no one can hear you scream. But man, is the warmest place to hide. That's such an excellent tagline. We did an episode on this a couple months ago because we adore this film, one of the best horror movies ever made. In remote Antarctica, a group of American research scientists are disturbed at their base camp by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog. When they take in the dog, it brutally attacks both human beings and canines in the camp, and they soon discover that the beast can assume the shape of its victims. A resourceful helicopter pilot and the camp doctor lead the camp crew in a desperate, gory battle against the vicious creature before it picks them all off. One by one, this alien from outer space. This is a funny review. My dog looks at me. Me. How do I know you're not the thing? (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. It has uh, 483,000 reviews. I completely agree with it being on this this list. It's amazing. Still one of the best posters of all time as well. Look at that poster. Oh, my God. Next up, we have a film that I have not seen. The Ascent, which came out in 1977. Two Soviet partisans leave their starving band to get supplies from a nearby farm. The Germans have reached the farm first, so the pair must go on a journey deep into occupied territory, a voyage that will also take them deep into their souls. This has a 4.4. We're finally at 4.4s on 22,000 ratings. Nice. Also, actually, Letterboxd does average up, so this is a, it's specifically a 4.35 rating, but they bring it up to 4.4 on the scale. Gotta. Can't be having decibels. <laughs> yeah, you don't want too many numbers. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there is a decibel. So I'm adding this to my watch list, directed by Larissa Shapiko. All right, number 73, we have the second film in the four trilogy, Before Sunset. It's actually pretty interesting to see this one up just slightly higher Highest than Before rated. Sunrise. Usually yeah. I think Before Sunrise is a favorite of people, but I mean, obviously it's just based off ratings. But this one's incredible, obviously like all three of them are came out in 2004 directed by richard Linklater. what if you got a second chance with the one that got away nine years ago two strangers met by chance and spent a night in vienna that ended before sunrise they're about to meet for the first time since now they have one afternoon to find out if they belong together this one's so special and different than the other two because the other two take place over the course of a day and night really but this one really just takes place over the course of like an hour and a half. It's real time. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. insane how quickly the ball gets rolling. Um, Jesse's on a book tour with his book that he wrote about his night with Celine. And Celine goes to the bookstore in France where he has his, his interviews and everything and his little book signing. And then they just take a walk and grab a coffee. And basically, I think the curiosity of that night is still lingering with them. And I can't wait to talk about this because this one's it's really terrific. In terms of it being real time, it's so interesting. But I don't want to say too much more because our review is coming out next week. 4.4 it, with 336,000 ratings. 2004 was the release date. Wow. Every nine years they came out. I don't know if we'll get another one. Great movie. All right, next up. You know what? I kind of feel like we don't even need another one. But we'll. I we'll, want one when they're old. I know, but we're going to like, make it when they're We'll have to wait old. like another 20 years. They have to. They gotta. Before dusk. Next up, we have. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, came out in 1975, directed by Milos Forman, while serving time for insanity at a state mental hospital, implacable rabble-rouser Randall Patrick McMurphy 
inspires his fellow patients to rebel against the authoritarian rule of head nurse Mildred Ratchet. This has a 4.4 rating with 421,000 ratings. This is one of the most beloved films of all time. You'll see it on every greatest films list. It's just fantastic. Winner uh, of the Big Five, one of the three five. films to yes. do that. There's actually been two on this list so far. What's the other one? Oh, it's the 1954 film called... What's it called? We always forget it. Um, fuck. Hold on. Something... Something in the in the night or, or no in the week, the big five. I always forget. I always forget Oscar winners. Hold on. Who got <laughs> us to try to remember it? It happened one night. It happened one night. Nineteen thirty-four. <laughs> so and only then, three films have won the big five major awards at the Academy Awards. It happened one night. One flew over the cuckoo's nest and Silence of the Lambs. And the big five include best director, best picture, best actor, best actress, and best. Pic- I already said that. Picture, screenplay. director, screenplay. Act- screenplay. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever happen again. Maybe Oppenheimer. No, can't get actress unless that doesn't have lead actress. Yeah, it doesn't have lead actress. And Emily's not. She's not be a supporting. Time. Yeah, but Hopkins got lead actor. Damn. I believe so. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Seventeen minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Emily can win it then. <laughs> Number seventy-one on our list. We have our first. Film from the Shire in the Middle Earth. The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring is a little low for me at 71. Should be a little higher. Yeah, it's my favorite. Um, obviously, it came out in 2001. One Ring to Rule Them All. Jesus. Directed by Peter Jackson. Young hobbit Frodo Baggins, after inheriting a mysterious ring from his uncle Bilbo, must leave his home in order to keep it from falling into the hands of its evil creator, Sauron. Along the way... A fellowship is formed to protect the ring bearer and make sure that the ring arrives at its final destination, Mount Doom. The only place where it can be destroyed. 4.4 on Letterboxd. How many ratings does it have? 1.02 million ratings. It's quite a few. It's one of the most adored films of all time. Next up, at number 70, oh, we got a Buster Keaton film. Sherlock Jr., which is a lot of fun. Came out in 1924. A film projectionist longs to be a detective and puts his meager skills to work when he is framed by a rival for stealing his girlfriend's father's pocket watch. This is basically a spoof of, of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, it's 4.4 rating on 60,000 ratings. Very funny movie. Number 69. We have a film I have not seen. Sancho the Bailiff. 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 A film of unparalleled beauty by the great Japanese master Kenji Mizoguchi. In medieval Japan, Mizoguchi. In medieval Japan, a compassionate governor is sent into exile. His wife and children try to join him but are separated and the children grow up amid suffering and oppression. Again, 1954, 4.4 on Letterboxd. 21,000 ratings. Next up, we have an excellent film, The Battle of Algiers, directed by Gilo Pontecorvo. Tracing the struggle of the Algerian Front de Liberation Nationale to gain freedom from French colonel rule as seen through the eyes of Ali from his start as a petty thief to his rise to prominence in the organization and capture by the French in 1957. The film traces the rebel struggle and the increasingly extreme measures taken by the French government to quell the revolt. Excellent film. 4.4 on 50,000 ratings. Add it to your watch list now. Number 67, we have the other film that Anthony brings up the most often, so it's between Deuce Bigelow and The Red <laughs> Shoes. 
which came out in 1948. <laughs> a masterpiece in production. Dance She Did and Dance She Must Between Her Two Loves. In this classic drama, Vicky Page is an aspiring ballerina from torn between her dedication to dance and her desire to love. While her imperious instructor, Boris Lermontov, urges her to forget anything but ballet, Vicky begins to fall for the charming young composer, Julian Craster. Eventually, Vicky, under great emotional stress, must choose to pursue either her art or her romance, a decision that carries serious consequences. 4.4 on IMDb. 65,000 ratings, and I watched it in theaters a few days ago, and I still can't believe this movie is 80 years old. It's fucking crazy. Man, it looks so good. Next up, we have A Separation. Great film, directed by Asghar Farhadi. A married couple are faced with a difficult decision. To improve their life of their child by moving to another country or to stay in Iran and look for a deteriorating parent who has Alzheimer's disease. This is a hugely emotional film. Um, 4.4 rating on 93,000 ratings. If you haven't seen this, add it to your watch list. It's just fucking unbelievable. A great film, film from Iran. Next up, we have our first anime, Princess Mononoke. Directed by Hayao Miyazaki, came out in 1997, 4.4 on Letterboxd. You've all seen this one. The fate of the world rests on the courage of one warrior. Ashitaka, a prince <laughs> of the disappearing Amishi people, is cursed by a demonized boar god and must journey to the west to find a cure. Along the way, he encounters San, a young human woman fighting to protect the forest, and Lady Iboshi, who is trying to destroy it. Ashitaka must find a way to bring balance to this conflict. It's brutal. It's awesome. Great anime. 4.4 on Letterboxd. 547,000 ratings. This is actually now my favorite anime. Oh. Yeah, I, I watched it a few weeks ago, and I've, it's really, really good. Next up, we have a classic, It's a Wonderful Life, which came out in 1946, directed by Frank Capra. A holiday favorite for generations. George Bailey has spent his entire life giving to the people of Bedford Falls. All that prevents rich skinflint Mr. Potter from taking over the entire town is George's modest building and loan company. But on Christmas Eve, the business's $8,000 is lost and George's troubles begin. This is a 4-point rating, 4.4 rating on 267,000 ratings. Really lives up to all the hype. It really is that fantastic. Next up at number 63, we have The Cranes Are Flying. I have I, not seen this. I have not seen, seen this either. came out in 1957. And is this also a Soviet film? Looks like it. And yeah, the, this, yeah. The compelling story of a girl's impassioned search for happiness. Veronica and Boris come together in Moscow shortly before World War II. Walking along the river, they watch cranes fly overhead and promise to rendezvous before Boris leaves to fight. Boris misses the meeting and is off to the front lines while Veronica waits patiently, sending letters faithfully. After her house is bombed, Veronica moves in with Boris's family into the company of a cousin with his own intentions. Sounds nefarious. 4.4 on Letterboxd. It has 25,000 ratings. So that's... I've never seen this. Hold on, I'm signing in. I haven't signed in on my letterbox. That's why I can't add them to my watch list. That's why. That's probably why you can't see the other stuff. Let me see. Okay, I'm signing in. Are you logged oh, in? Oh, I can add... <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't signed in the whole time. I didn't even realize. I've never used Letterbox desktop. Oh, the ads are gone. This is so much better. <laughs> I was dealing with ads the whole yeah, all over my page. Yeah, you're a pro, man. You got that that top account. No oh more, no man, ads. this is great. 
I don't know why I thought I was signed in. So yeah, I can add it to my watch list. Yeah, so it's got yeah twenty five thousand ratings. Nineteen fifty seven. I'm adding this to my watch list. Great, great, great to know. All right, next up. Oh, I just watched this movie. A woman under the influence, directed by the great John Cassavetes, came out in nineteen seventy four. Mabel Longetti, desperate and lonely, is married to a Los Angeles municipal construction worker, Nick, increasingly unstable. Especially in the company of others, she craves happiness, but her extremely volatile behavior convinces Nick that she poses a danger to their family and decides to commit her to an institution for six months. Alone with a trio of kids to raise on his own, he awaits her return, which holds more than a few surprises. This movie is incredible. It has two amazing performances from Peter Falk and especially Gina Rowlands. Gina Rowlands, in my opinion delivers one of the greatest performances of all time ever and it's really fucking astounding you gotta watch this film came out 1974 has a 4.4 based on for 58,000 ratings really really incredible movie jeff definitely check it out next at number 61 we're going back to middle earth baby lord of the rings the two towers released in 2002 a new power is rising Frodo and Sam are trekking to Mordor to destroy the One Ring of Power while Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn search for the orc-captured Merry and Pippin. All along, nefarious wizard Saruman awaits the Fellowship members at the Orthanc Tower in Isengard. 4.4. Y'all know how much we love this movie. It's great. It's epic. Never heard of it. Lord of the Rings, baby. It has 4.4. 800,000 ratings. Nah, yeah, I thought there'd be more ratings in there. too. Yeah. I have a baller poster for this one. It's fucking great. I love it. All right, next up. At number 60, we have Rear Window. A little low. Yeah, I actually never rated it. (laughs) I've seen it, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Professional photographer L.B. Jeff Jeffries breaks his leg while getting an action shot at an auto race. Confined to his New York apartment, he spends his time looking out of the rear window observing the neighbors when he begins to suspect that a man across the courtyard may have murdered his wife jeff enlists the help of high society fashion consultant girlfriend and a visiting nurse to investigate this came out in 1954 directed by alfred hitchcock has a 4.4 rating on 366,000. i believe this is a top 20 movie so i think it could definitely be lower on the list next at number 59 we have it's such a beautiful day, which I have not seen. I have not seen this either. Adding to my watch list. 2012, directed by wow. Don Hertzfeld. Oh, is this a short? It's, it's barely 60, a 62 short. 62 minutes. minutes so uh-huh. it's just above the requirements for a short film, which I believe maxed out at 45, 40 minutes. Yeah. Interesting. 62-minute-long movie. Bill struggles to put together his shattered psyche in this feature film version of Don Hertzfeld's animated short film trilogy. Oh, it's, it's got like stick figure animation. Looks really cool. That's cute. You have to check it out. So, yeah, it looks like they keep the stick figures, but then, see, look, here's a screenshot. Oh, yeah, I see, yeah. It has a beautiful painted background, but the characters are still stick figures. So, Don Hertzfeld made a trilogy of shorts, then turned it into a feature, and he also narrates the film. Sounds cool. Next up, at number 58, we get our first Western, baby! Once Upon a Time in the West, which came out in 1968, directed by the great Sergio Leone. A widow whose land and life are in danger as the railroad is getting closer and closer to taking them over. 
a mysterious harmonica player, joins forces with a desperado. Protect the woman and her land. This has a 4.4 rating on 130,000 ratings. Fantastic movie. Henry Fonda, Charles Bronson, Claudia Cardinal. Amazing, amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, it's got some of the most remarkable cinematography of all time, honestly. 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 At number 57, we have our first film from Masaki Kobayashi. And I'm sure it won't be the last. Kobayashi, oh yeah. The Human Condition 2, Road to Eternity. The first sequel came out in 1959. The first sequel of an anti-war masterpiece. This is part of a trilogy, right? Yeah. They're all on this list. Kaji is sent to the Japanese army labeled Red and is mistreated by the vets. Along his assignment, Kaji witnesses cruelties in the army and revolts against the abusive treatment against the recruit Obara. He also sees his friend Shinjo Itoai defecting to the Russian border, and he ends in the front to fight a lost battle against the Russian tanks division. So, 4.4. On uh, 12,000 ratings. I've never seen uh, the Human Condition trilogy. A lot of people recommend it to me. I've just been like, they're each three hours. They're very intense. Um, they're very difficult, traumatic watches. So I've just been like, I've been putting them off on my list. That sounds like your typical Tuesday night, Anthony. I don't, some, some, but three in a row of just war. It's just, I've been putting it off, but I keep meaning to watch them. People recommend them all the time. You can space them out, Anthony. Yeah, I know. You don't have You're to right. watch them all. All right. Uh, maybe at, I'll make them my next to watch. In one sitting. Yeah. I don't know. I, after the before trilogy, I think I want to do everything as a trilogy now. You don't have to watch them all. You can space <laughs> I, them out. Like, I watched it before Sunrise last month, before Sunset a couple a week ago. All right, you're right, you're right. Before all right. Night, last night. Next up, we got a Denis Villeneuve movie, On Sunday, which came out in 2010. A Mother's Last Wishes and Sent Twins, Gene and Sim, Simon, on a journey to Middle East and in, in search of their tangled roots. Adapted from Waji Mawad's acclaimed play, on Sunday tells the powerful and moving tale of two young adults' voyage to the core of deep-rooted hatred, never-ending wars, and enduring love. This has a 4.4 on 140,000 ratings. It's a remarkable film, dynamic imagery, and one hell of a goddamn twist that makes you think about the movie for years afterwards. Yeah. I'm still like kind of sick to my stomach sometimes when I think about the <laughs> twist. It's incredibly emotional. It's, I'm glad to see how much respect it's gotten. Yeah. Because this is the first Villeneuve movie I saw. I watched it, I think, um, DVD, Netflix. Because it was it got a bunch of uh, awards recognition and um, international film festival recognition. So this was the first one I watched from him. And it's really cool because, you know, Canadian-French filmmaker, but then making a film about people, not just that live in Canada, you but also... call them French-Canadian. French-Canadian, sorry. French first. But but also, that takes place in Canada, but also in the Middle East. So, and it, clearly we've seen, I think, four movies from the Middle East on this list already. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Polytechnique, that was Villeneuve's first movie, and that is an intense film. Highly recommend that one, too. Number 55, we're back to Stanley Kubrick with Barry Lyndon. Came out in 1975, this great period piece. It's an epic as well. It's really funny. At long last, Redmond Barry became a gentleman, and that was his tragedy. <laughs> That's a great tagline. An Irish rogue uses his cunning and wit to work his way up the social classes of 18th century England, transforming himself from the humble, the humble Redmond Barry into noble Barry Lyndon. This movie's excellent. It's hysterical. Production is astounding. Some of the best shots you'll ever see of the sky as well yeah. and landscapes, but it's it's really witty. Very clever, and Barry Lyndon's a great character. It's kind of just like a 
like a classic sort of rags to riches story sort of in a sort of way, but also it's his biggest downfall. Yeah, it's a long film. It's three hours, but it's worth it. And it has uh, 156,000 ratings at the 4.4. All right, next up at number 54, I obviously think this should be way lower. Fanny and Alexander by Ingmar Bergman. As children in the loving Ekdal family, Fanny and Alexander enjoy a happy life with their parents who run a theater company. After their father dies unexpectedly, however, the siblings end up in a joyless home when their mother, Emily, marries a stern bishop. The bleak situation gradually grows worse as the bishop becomes more controlling, but dedicated relatives make a valiant attempt to aid Am Emily, Fanny, and Alexander. Just like with Scenes from a Marriage, Letterboxd has the shorter version of the film. This is the three-hour version. Um, it is still great. I like. There's a five-hour version that you just get everything, but the three-hour version is still... It gets all the important stuff in there. I think this is one of the most beautiful films ever made. It's uh, I I say I have this as my greatest film ever made pick. Um, this is a four point four, with thirty nine thousand ratings. Came out nineteen eighty two. At number fifty three, we have a Paul Schrader film. Oh yeah, wow! I was not expecting that. This is getting a ton of love lately. Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. He directed this in nineteen eighty five on November twenty fifth, nineteen seventy. Japan's greatest author Yukio Mishima committed an act that shocked the literary world. A fictional account of the life of Japanese author Yukio Mishima told in four parts. The first three parts relate events in three of his novels, The Temple of the Golden Pavilion, Kyoko's House, and Runaway Horses. The last part depicts the events of 25th November 1970 to 4.4 on Box. With 59,000 ratings. I added this to my watch list because I saw some, some posts of it on, on TikTok the other day. It looked really interesting. I had never heard of it. I never knew Paul Schrader made this movie. Me neither. Next up at 52, we have Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, which came out in 1989. Salvatore Sal Fragione is the Italian owner of a pizzeria in Brooklyn. A neighborhood local, bugging out, becomes upset when he sees that the pizzeria's wall of fame exhibits only Italian actors. Bugging out believes a pizzeria in a black neighborhood should showcase black actors, but Sal disagrees. The wall becomes a symbol of racism and hate to bugging out and to other people in the neighborhood, and tensions rise. This is... A 4.4 on 235,000 ratings. Brilliant film. It's an all-timer. Deserves to be on this list for sure. Next up, we have another anime. At number 51, we have Perfect Blue, Satoshi Kon. The color of illusion is perfect blue. A retired pop singer turned actress's sense of reality is shaken when she is stalked by an obsessed fan and seemingly a ghost of her past 4.4. This has a huge imprint on modern cinema. I mean, Requiem for a Dream is a film that drew heavy from the visuals of this movie. 400,000 ratings. 4.4. All right, that's 51. How about we'll take our break right now yeah. and then get right back into the rest of Letterboxd. Number 50, top 100. Number 50 is actually a film that was re-released this year. Hint. Tease. Now, before we continue... The best way you can support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to share us with your family and friends. If they love movies, let them know about our show. It's the best way we can grow. If they've never heard about podcasts, just strap them to a chair, tie them down, and hit our show on repeat and make them watch because that would be great. Uh, <laughs> Clockwork Orange style. You can also leave a five-star rating or review on Spotify and Apple. Those are our favorite things in the world because it helps us get seen by new people on the apps and platforms and rank up higher and higher, as well as becoming a patron at patreon.com slash 
Raiders of the Lost Podcast. It's a subscription-based form of support of the show. We have five different tiers of membership at $2, $5, $10, $25, and $100. Every single tier gets access to two weekly bonus episodes. The weekly chat has moved exclusively to Patreon that everyone there has access to, as well as an additional weekly bonus episode of the show that everyone still has access to in Patreon. Patreon's the reason we can do the show full-time, so thank you so much to your support for your support around the world. Again, Raiders of the Lost Podcast. No, patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. And this episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at movieposters.com. Be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at movieposters.com to get 10% off your order today. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. They do our bi-monthly movie poster giveaway contest for a free poster for our fans. We actually just did one for our Patreon members. Congratulations to the winner of that poster contest. Again, we're going to do another giveaway in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, be sure to use our promo code at movieposters.com, Raiders10, to get 10% off your order of their amazing poster selection. Now let's head into our intermission, Anthony, and begin with our movie quotes competition. You ready? What do you got? Perfection is not just about control. It's about letting go. Surprise yourself so you can surprise the audience. Transcendence. Say it again. Perfection is not just about control. It's also about letting go. Surprise yourself so you can surprise the audience. Transcendence. No idea. Black Swan. Oh, nice, nice. If you dress like Halloween, ghouls will try to get in your pants. <laughs> this is Face Off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Guess this movie release here, Anthony. Shrek. 2001. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank God. I don't want our fans to be pissed if Liv I got that wrong. would come after you. <laughs> what year did Grease come out? 1975. 79. All right, Anthony. Trivia time. Besides the Oceans films, what movie does Vincent Castle star in with Matt Damon? Oh, shit. That's a good question. My God, Matt Damon. Jason Bourne. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I hope he got paid. I'm sure he did. He played the nameless assassin in that one. The assets. They're called assets, Anthony. You're an asset. I am, thanks. To the show. <laughs> thanks. It sounds like a compliment, but the, the tone was negative. No, I'm just saying. You're just, an asset. I'm just stating a fact. There was no negative. You just like... Misread that completely. Oh, you're totally. I said you're an asset to the show. You're like, I'm a piece of shit. No, you said you're an asset to the show. <laughs> All right, what do we got for Raider haters, Anthony? Any unsubscribes? What are we, what are we looking at? We got some good ones. Let's today. do it. Let's go. We got. <clears throat> Jay Kelly had a couple of good ones. I posted the Christian Bale's photographic memory one, and he wrote, yeah, I can remember photographs too. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were talking about Heat 2, and Jay Kelly wrote, 
in quotations of us. We are so tired of these origin stories and legacy sequels. He too and Gladiator too. Let's go unsubscribe. <laughs> it's true. We are uh, contradictory. <laughs> then we got again with Jay Kelly. I guess we're just gonna do Jay Kelly. <laughs> When I made uh, my personal TikTok, he posted my first video. Now I have two accounts I can unsubscribe from. <laughs> Cara KJ in our Scorsese episode. King of comedy, a sixth round draft pick. Unsubscribe! <laughs> hey, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick too. Yes, sir. Uh, Ellen, Ellen 0803. BRB, currently sobbing because Gone Girl isn't a top five movie for Fincher. Unsubscribe! Listen, Anthony put out a top ten Fincher ranking. I had nothing to do with this ranking. I just want to let you all know. Anthony did this without consulting me. It's his you list. You think Gone Girl's top five? I never said Gone Girl's top five, but I don't think Fight Club's a four. I know. I think Zodiac's really great. I think Zodiac's great as well, but I think Fight Club's better. Well, the thing is, there's no list where people won't be upset. True. But I'm just saying that I, it, it's not Raider's list. It's Anthony's list. I don't know. I got a thousand likes on Instagram. And a, a thousand dislikes. Zero dislikes. Yeah, all dislikes. It's a new feature. <laughs> Only I can see it. The, the game's ranking was the most criticized. Probably. I mean, the game's awesome. He's. I mean, how do you rank his movies? Exactly. I just think, you know... I'm not a big fan of happy endings in Fincher movies. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't feel right for me in a Fincher movie. Next up, we got... Uh, I tweeted that while on a date, a fan came up to me, shook my hand, and it made me look like, look like such a baller in front of the girl. To that fan, I salute you. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then the White Wolf wrote, What I wouldn't give to be able to unsubscribe in person. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Anthony got a... On a date, a fan came up and shook his hand, so he's finally, hopefully, going to not be the 40-year-old virgin anymore. Hope so. <laughs> Fingers hopefully. crossed. You're definitely getting late after that. We didn't exchange names, but uh, I know you listen to the show a lot, so you said so. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, you uh, accidentally labeled our letterbox recap as weekly chat. My bad. And oh, I'm sorry. I cut off your name, but. Weekly chat unsubscribed, then another. Fuck, I cut off both their names. Weekly chat unsubscribed. That's it. All right. Now, thank you for those unsubscribes. Let's go over a quick five-star rating and review on Apple from 10-star. Outstanding podcast. These two bring it every week. Evervescent. Ebulence for all things film. Leavened by wide-ranging knowledge and analytical acumen. The Oppenheimer deep dive was just epic. I love your vocabulary. That's sensational. I love it. Thank you so much for the five-star review. We appreciate it so much. Now, my streaming recommendation for you all is going to be the Before Trilogy, which is all on Max right now, the one to watch for the Before movies. They're all on Max? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't. I thought it was just about Before Midnight. Maybe it's just Before Midnight. Okay. No, Sunset's on. No, yeah, Before Midnight's on. Never mind. You're right. <laughs> well, just watch them all because our episode's coming out next week. <laughs> I recommend Le True, which is a French film translated as The Whole About a Prison Escape. My God. I watched it last night, and it was astounding. Add it to your watch list on Criterion Channel. Now let's get back into the Letterboxd Top 100 Rated Movies, and Anthony's going to kick us off with number 50. Number 50 we actually just watched last week. Old Boy, which came out in 2003, directed by Park Chan-wook. With no clue how he came to be imprisoned, drugged, and tortured for 15 years, a desperate businessman seeks revenge on his captors. A 4.4 rating with 510,000 ratings. Deserves that. I think it is an all-timer. Um, deserves to be on this list. Absolutely. 
Then at number 49, we have a film I have not seen called Close Up. Neither have I. Directed by Kabas. Oh, here we go. Abbas Karastami again. Second film on this list. And the fiction documentary Hybrid uses a sensational real-life event, the arrest of a young man on charges that he fraudulently impersonated the well-known filmmaker Mohsen Makmambaf. As the basis for a stunning, multi-layered investigation into movies, identity, artistic creation, and existence, in which the real people from the case play themselves. Sounds very intriguing. 4.4 on Letterboxd. 62,000 ratings. I'm adding to my watch list. Next up, at number 49, 48, we have Paris, Texas, which came out in 1984, directed by Wim Wenders. A man wanders out of the desert not knowing who he is. His brother finds him and helps to pull his memory back of the life he led before he walked out on his family and disappeared four years earlier. This is directed by Wim Wenders, but written by Sam Shepard, starring Harry Dean Stanton, Natasha Kinski, and Dean Stockwell. Fantastic film. Highly recommend adding it to your watch list. It's a 4.4 with 206,000 ratings. At number 47, we have our first film from Bong Joon-ho, and I guarantee it will not be the last. Memories of Murder, released in 2003. An excellent investigation film. Very funny, very dark. The worst of them will stay with you forever. In 1986, Gunji province, the body of a young woman is found brutally raped and murdered. Two months later, a series of rapes and murders commences under similar circumstances. And in a country that had never known such crimes, the dark whispers about a serial murderer grow louder. A special task force is set up in the area with two local detectives, Park Duman and, Young, and Jo Younggu, joined by a detective from Seoul who requested to be assigned to the case. Excellent film, 4.4 on Letterboxd. 310,000 ratings. Next up, we have Lay True, which I just said for my streaming recommendation came out in 1960, directed by Jack Bicker. Four prison inmates have been hatching a plan to literally dig out of jail when another prisoner, Claude Gaspard, is moved into their cell. They take a risk and share their plan with the newcomer. Over the course of three days, the prisoners and friends break through the concrete floor using a bedpost and begin to make their way through the sewer system, yet their escape is anything but assured. I watched this film last night, and my god, it is a top-tier prison movie. It's one of the most suspenseful films I've ever seen in my life. You have to watch it ASAP. I'm I'm ashamed of myself for never watching it before. After I like this is incredible. Definitely add it to your watch list. Four point four on nineteen thousand ratings. Next up, we have the first and I believe only Star Wars film on this list of top one hundred. It is the best Star Wars film. The Empire Strikes Back, released in nineteen eighty, directed by Irvin Kershner, with you know that side credit for George Lucas. The adventure continues. I agree this is the best Star Wars film, hands down. The epic saga continues as Luke Skywalker, in hopes of defeating the evil Galactic Empire, learns the ways of the Jedi from aging Master Yoda. But Darth Vader is more determined than ever to capture Luke. Meanwhile, rebel leader Princess Leia, cocky Han Solo, Chewbacca, and droids C-3PO and R2-D2 are thrown into various stages of capture, betrayal, and despair. It's a 4.4 on Letterboxd. 927,000 ratings for that one. I think uh, some people have seen it. Next you, up, we people. have the Mo In the Mood for Love, which came out in 2000, directed by Wong Kar Wai. Taking place in Hong Kong of 1962, a melancholy story about the love between a woman and a man who live in the same building 
and one day find out that their husband and wife had an affair with each other. This is a bona fide classic, remarkable movie. It has a 4.4 rating on 350,000 ratings. Definitely an all-timer. Might I adjust that synopsis? They're having an affair with each other. They're off on an adventure together. They're, they're spouses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just reading. No, no, yeah. I said I'm adjusting the synopsis. You didn't write the synopsis. You should write an angry email. To I should. It's, it's, it's slightly incorrect. The story is they're, they're off together. They don't even know they're doing on Letterbox, do they? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I thought you, I thought I read it wrong. No, no, you read it right. I'm just correcting the synopsis, not you. Number. So you hate me. <laughs> That's what you read it as. Number forty-three, a film I have not seen, from Tarkovsky, Andrei Rublev. Released in 1967, 1966, I'm sorry. An expansive Russian drama. The film focuses on the life of revered religious icon painter Andrei Rublev. Drifting from place to place in a tumultuous era, the peace-seeking monk eventually gains a reputation for his arts. But after Rublev witnesses a brutal battle and unintentionally becomes involved, he takes a vow of silence and spends time away from his work. As he begins his, to ease his troubled soul, he takes steps towards becoming a painter once again. 50,000 ratings. 4.4. Next up, another. We, the Asian cinema is going off in the top 50 so far. We got The Handmaiden, which came out in 2016 by Park Chan-wook. This yeah. is my favorite Park Chan-wook film. In 1930s Korea, a swindler and a young woman pose as a Japanese count and a handmaiden to seduce a Japanese heiress and steal her fortune. This is a remarkable film. It's a long movie. It's two hours and 20 minutes, but it's worth it. It's a 4.4 on 356,000 ratings. If you haven't seen it, add it to your watch list. It's available on Amazon Prime. The Handmaiden slaps, man. What a good movie. It's so, so good. good. So good. Oh, my God. At number 41, Ingmar Bergman has to be the number one on this list for most yeah. movies. Persona, released in 1966. A young nurse, Alma, is put in charge of Elizabeth Vogler, an actress who is seemingly healthy in all respects, but will not talk. As they spend time together, Alma speaks to Elizabeth constantly, never receiving any answer. Alma eventually confesses her secrets to a seemingly sympathetic Elizabeth and finds her own personality is being submerged into Elizabeth's persona. Great film. It's a 4.4 with 200,000 ratings. Bonafide, one of the most legendary films ever made. Incredible cinematography. If you haven't seen it, add it to your watch list right now. Leading into number 40, we have Cinema Paradiso, 1988, directed by Giuseppe Tornatori. A filmmaker recalls his childhood when he fell in love with the movies at his village's theater and formed a deep friendship with the theater's projectionist. This is my favorite movie about the love of cinema. It has a 4.4 rating on 182,000 rating, 182, ratings. Really beautiful, soaring classic of filmmaking. Add it to your watch list now with a resounding score from Ennio Morricone. Next up at number 39, another Ingmar Bergman film. I think that's six now. <laughs> 1978 was released, Autumn Sonata. After a seven-year absence, Charlotte Andergast travels to Sweden to reunite with her daughter, Ava. The pair have a troubled relationship. Charlotte sacrificed the responsibilities of motherhood for a career as a classical pianist. Over an emotional night, the pair reopen the wounds of the past. Charlotte gets another shock when she finds out that her mentally impaired daughter, Helena, is out of the asylum and living with Ava. 4.4. 4. 
58,000 ratings for that one. Next up, we have The Apartment, which came out in 1960, directed by Billy Wilder. C.C. Baxter, also known as Bud Baxter, is a minor clerk in a huge New York insurance company until he discovers a quick way to climb the corporate ladder. He lends out his apartment to the executives as a place to take their mistresses. Although he often has to deal with the aftermath of their visits, one night he's left with a major problem to solve. This has a 4.4 with 140,000 ratings. I just watched this the other day. It's absolutely fantastic. Number 37. We have Woman in the Dunes, released in 1964, directed by Hiroshi Tashigahara. Haunting, erotic, unforgettable. An entomologist suffers extreme psychological and sexual torture after being taken captive by the residents of a poor seaside village. Sounds disturbing as hell. 4.4. I have not seen this film. I have not either. It's got 32,000 reviews, but I added to my watch list. Anthony's just adding all of these to his watch list. Yeah, I got like seven new movies to watch. Next up, we have at number 38, 36, The Passion of Joan of Arc. A classic of the silent age, this film tells the story of the doomed but ultimately canonized 15th century teenage warrior. On the trial for on trial for claiming she'd spoken to God, Jean de Arc is subjected to inhumane treatment and scare, scare tactics at the hands of the church court officials. Initially bullied into changing her story, Jean eventually opts for what she sees as the truth. Her punishment, a famously brutal execution, earns her perpetual martyrdom. 4.4 rating on 68,000 ratings. It's one of the great silent films of all time. Beautiful, groundbreaking cinematography. Really pushed the envelope for filmmaking. Add it to your watch list now. There's a great joke in Before Midnight about yes. Joan of Arc where Jesse and Celine are talking about how Jesse's like obsessed and comp- with comparing himself to all these male writers and, and successful guys. And then Celine's like, but as a woman, you know, for a long period of time, it's so hard for women to achieve things that women don't have many female examples to aspire to or compare themselves to until very recently. And then he's like, what about Joan of Arc? She's like, Joan of Arc? Why would I want to be Joan of Arc? She died 17, burned at the cross, a virgin. No thank you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, she saved French. She's like, who cares about France? (laughs) (laughs) Number, what are we on? 35. We are cruising, everybody. Number 35. We have Tokyo Story. Finally. Released in 1953. Yoshijiro Ozu directed this. As long as life goes on, relationships between parents and children will bring boundless joy and endless grief. The elderly Shikushi and his wife Tomi take the long journey from their small seaside village to visit their adult children in Tokyo. Their eldest son, Koichi, a doctor, and their daughter, Shij, a hairdresser, don't have much time to spend with their aged parents, and so it falls to Noriko, the widow of their younger son, who was killed in the war to keep her in-laws company didn't we talk about this in the show like a month ago yeah we've talked about it a few times it's actually the first classic japanese film i ever watched um otsu made a ton of great movies i just watched good morning and late spring really fantastic films but i there's i have a huge watch list of his films to get into 4.4 with seventy-four thousand ratings next up at number 34 we have whiplash another contemporary film under the direction of a ruthless instructor a talented young drummer begins to pursue perfection at any cost even his humanity. This has a 4.4 rating with 1.48 million ratings. One of the most holy crap. One of the most watched films on Letterboxd for ratings. 
Um, I think it's Damien Chazelle's best film by far, honestly. Uh, I think it's a perfect movie. It is a perfect movie. It's sensational. Yeah. And we did an episode with it with La La Land yeah. like a year and a half ago. I feel like we should do a solo episode on Whiplash because clearly it's so beloved. That's an insane amount of ratings. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a few years. I'd like to watch it again. I watched it, I think, last year, just out of, just out of the blue. It's, it's so good. It really is an incredible movie. At number 33, our first superhero movie, we have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, obviously released in 2018. More than one wears the mask, struggling to find his place in the world while juggling school and family. Brooklyn teenager Miles Morales is unexpectedly bitten by a radioactive spider and develops unfathomable powers, just like the one and only Spider-Man. While wrestling with the implications of his new abilities, Miles discovers a super collider created by a madman, Wilson Kingpin Fisk, causing others from across the Spider-Verse to be inadvertently transported to his dimension. And at 33, it seems like it's pretty like high up on the list for me personally. But I think that just shows you that there's a very young generation on Letterboxd that adore, obviously, the Spider-Verse films. So, obviously, I think Beyond the Spider-Verse will probably break the top 30 as well. I think it might be the most rated movie, too. It has uh, 1.8 million ratings. At a 4.4. I don't think there's a movie that's even close to that many ratings, honestly. A that's a lot. Next up at 32, we have another Tarkovsky film, Stalker. Near a gray and unnamed city is The Zone, a place guarded by barbed wire and soldiers and where the normal laws of physics are victim to frequent anomalies. A stalker guides two men into The Zone, specifically to an area in which deep-seated desires are granted. This film has a 4.4 rating with 172,000 ratings, one of the great, greatest films of all time, and one of Andrei Tarkovsky's masterpieces. At number 31, we have one of the most tragic films you'll ever see, Grave of the Fireflies, this incredible Crying. emotional anime from Isao Takahata, released in 1988. In the final months of World War II, 14-year-old Seita and his sister Satsuko are orphaned when their mother is killed during an air raid in Kobe, Japan. After falling out with their aunt, they move into an abandoned bomb shelter. With no surviving relatives and their emergency rations depleted, Seita and Satsuko struggle to survive 4.4 horribly tragic i one of the one of the most i've cried in a movie super one, sad does that make sense the yeah it doesn't make sense at all <laughs> <laughs> one of the most i've cried in movies <laughs> i didn't even realize it. one of the most i've cried in a movie <laughs> the most you've cried in it's up there it's yeah. up there for the most i've cried during watching a film there we go there we go man you got it got it get man. that grammar going <laughs> <laughs> trying to compete with that great review you just got i know yeah it's, a, it's there was some great vocabulary there's in that verbiage sandwich <laughs> next up at number 30 we have an act an all-time classic sunset boulevard another billy wilder film 1950 a hack screenwriter writes a screenplay for a former silent film star who has faded into hollywood obscurity incredible performances from Gloria Swanson and William Holden. Great script, perfect direction. This is a 4.4, 4.44 with 166,000 ratings. Highly recommend you check this out. It is, it lives up to all of the acclaim you see for it online. Number 29, we have Portrait of a Lady on Fire, a terrific film released in 2019, directed by Celine Schiama. Don't regret, remember. On an isolated island in Brittany at the end of the 18th century, 
A female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman, but we all know that intimacy and romance ensues. Terrific film, incredible visuals. Very recent, 2019 as well. 500,000 ratings, and what's cool is that the letterbox stars are actually flames. Are they really? Yeah, look at the profile. See? Oh, that is cool. I guess your phone's not cool enough for it. Oh, I see when I rate. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, click yeah, rate. yeah, yeah. I, th I hope they do that more with more often with other movies. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 4.4 4 on, on Letterboxd. Next up at number 29, we have... 28. 28, we have <laughs> Apocalypse Now, which came out in 1979, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. At the height of the Vietnam War, Captain Benjamin Willard is sent on a dangerous mission that officially does not exist, nor will it ever exist. His goal is to locate and eliminate a mysterious Green Beret colonel named Walter Kurtz, who has been leading his personal army on illegal guerrilla missions into enemy territory. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's got a 4.4 on 421,000 ratings. This deserves to be on this list for sure. You know, it was so cool to hear that Coppola wanted to film this in IMAX film. That was awesome, but I guarantee they would not have been able to finish this they movie. They barely got it done. <laughs> so that would have been awesome, but they just didn't have the resources to do I it. I just love old movies like this because, you know, if they wanted to shoot in the jungle, they had to shoot in the jungle. You know what I mean? Like Sorcerer was the same kind of thing. If you want to make a giant explosion, you got to make you a giant explosion. With, yeah. and if you need a bunch of helicopters flying overhead with it, yeah. 80 extras... You gotta do it. There's just something special about that kind of filmmaking that doesn't really happen anymore. If you need to build a giant fortress on a river, you gotta build it. <laughs> you're it, not gonna, and you're not gonna do it in, in Florida. You're gonna do it in the jungle. <laughs> At number 27 on our list, we have Paths of Glory, another Stanley Kubrick film from 1957. It explodes in the no man's land no picture ever dared cross before. A commanding officer defends three scapegoats on trial for a failed offensive that occurred within the French army in 1916. 153,000 ratings. Wow. 4.4. Next up. Good. Not bad. Not bad. Not, we got that number 26, Spirited Away, which came out in 2001, directed by Hayao Miyazaki. A young girl, Chihiro, becomes trapped in a strange new world of spirits. When her parents undergo a mysterious transformation, she must call upon the courage she never knew she had to free her family. This is the first 4.5 we've had on the list with 1.26 million ratings. This is going to go down as an all-time classic. Love this movie. Number 25. Wow. Top 25 now. We are cruising. I'm liking this. Drainage. Drainage. Right. We have There Will Be Blood, Anthony's favorite movie of all time. Let's go. Let's go. 2007, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. There will be greed. There will be vengeance. Ruthless silver miner turned oil prospector Daniel Plainview moves to oil-rich California. Using his son to project a trustworthy family man image, Plainview cons local landowners into selling him their valuable properties for a pittance. However, local preacher Eli Sunday suspects Plainview's motives and intentions starting a slow-burning feud that threatens both of their lives. 544,000 ratings for that. At a 4.5. We're in the 4.5 range. Yes, sir. Our next 4.5 is at number 24, The Dark Knight Guy. 2008, directed by Christopher Nolan. Batman raises the stakes in his war on crime. 
With the help of Lieutenant Jim Gordon and District Attorney Harvey Dent, Batman sets out to dismantle the remaining criminal organizations that plague the streets. The partnership proves to be effective, but they soon find themselves prey to a reign of chaos unleashed by a rising criminal mastermind known to the terrified citizens of Gotham as the Joker. This is a 4.5 with 1.67 million ratings. Woo! 1.67 million? So that's closest to uh, Into the the Spider-Verse. Wowzers. All right, next up we have at number 23, a film I have not seen, Neon Genesis Evangelion, The End of Evangelion, released in 1997, directed by Hideaki Anno and Kazuya Suramaki. The fate of destruction is also the joy of rebirth. The second of two theatrically released follow-ups to the Neon Genesis Evangelion series, comprising of two alternate episodes which were the first intended to take the place of episodes 25 and 26. And this is not a synopsis at all of the movie, but the poster looks really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly people like it because I've it's heard a, of it recently. It's got 200,000 ratings. 4.5, 200,000 ratings. So it's an anime that I'm going to have to check out. I saw Wes Anderson talking about it last week, so I was like, oh, what is this movie? Next up, we have at number 22, The Human Condition 1, No Greater Love, directed by Kobayashi. During the Second World War, Japanese conscientious objector Kaji works as a supervisor in a Maitreyan prison camp. He hopes to avoid duty as a soldier, but he also hopes to be helpful to the welfare of his prisoners. But an escape attempt by Chinese prisoners results in Kaji's arrest for collusion. He faces the possibility of transferal to combat or worse. 4.5 rating with 16,000 ratings. Nice. At number 21... As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Goodfellas, baby. Is this the first Martin movie on here? It's unfortunately. Is it the first and only? It is, unfortunately. Oh my god, what the fuck? Yeah, that's the biggest thing I disagree There's with. There's one Martin Scorsese movie in the, uh, in the Letterboxd Top 100. Is that a fucking joke? Seriously? That's it. I don't even want to continue. We got, that's I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Great I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not. Uh, Goodfellas released in 1990. One of the best movies ever. Three decades of life in the mafia. The true story of Henry Hill. Well, it's kind of true. Half Irish, half Sicilian Brooklyn kid who is adopted by neighborhood gangsters at an early age and climbs the ranks of a mafia family under the guidance of Jimmy Conway. 4.5. Hold on. I just got to find where Taxi Driver is. I don't, Taxi Driver's not in the top 250. Is that, are you serious? I'm not seeing it. How's that possible? The Departed is 137. I'm not seeing Taxi Driver. Unless I missed the poster. There has to be a mistake. Wow, The Shining is 17. Raging Bull is 171. I'm not seeing Taxi Driver. That's insane. Wow, Taxi Driver's not in the letterbox top 250. That is shocking. It's a 4.2. Nope, so yeah, it didn't make the cut. I think because it hasn't aged well in terms of audiences like this generation, man. They don't understand that movie, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's wild, man. Man. Taxi Driver is not in the top 250. <laughs> Whoa, Letterbox top 250. That's all right, it's all right, it's all right. It's up there on IMDb, at least. <laughs> okay, number 20. <laughs> on a lighter note... <laughs> 
<laughs> one Scorsese. The depression movie. is seeping in on me. The Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King, 2003, directed by Peter Jackson. Aragorn is revealed as the heir to the ancient kings as he, Gandalf, and the other members of the Broken Fellowship struggle to save Gondor from Sauron's forces. Meanwhile, Frodo and Sam take the ring closer to the heart of Mordor, the Dark Lord's realm. This is a 4.5 rating with 818,000 ratings. I just looked up my favorite movie, The Matrix, not in the top 250. Matrix is in the top 250? 4.2. Most of the reviews for The Matrix are 3.5. Is that a fucking joke? Whoa. What are we doing here on Letterboxd? What is going on here? That's fucking wild. A 4.2 for The Matrix? Okay, guys. That's wild. That's, that's, that is insane. That's, shocking. that's absurd. I'm sorry. Yeah. That is... What are we doing here, everybody? It's not in the top 250. Wow. That's pretty shocking. That is shocking. All right, number 19. A Brighter Summer Day. Released in 1991, directed by Edward Yang. I have not seen this. A boy experiences first love, friendships, and injustices growing up in 1960s Taiwan. 40,000 ratings for that one. 4.5. Next up, we got our first Akira Kurosawa movie, Ran, which came out in 1985. With Ran, the legendary director Akira Kurosawa reimagines Shakespeare's King Lear as a singular historical epic set in 16th century Japan. Majestic in scope, the film is Kurosawa's late-life masterpiece, a profound examination of the folly of war and the crumbling of one family under the weight of betrayal, greed, and the insatiable thirst for power. This is a 4.5 with 98,000 ratings. Watch it right now, guys. No, keep listening to the episode, then watch it. Then watch Ran. Then watch Ran. Number 17, we have The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, directed by Sergio Leone, released in... 1966 for three men the civil war wasn't hell it was practice while the civil war rages on between the union and the confederacy three men a quiet loner a ruthless hitman and a mexican bandit comb the american southwest in search of a strong box containing two hundred thousand dollars in stolen gold excellent excellent movie Two hundred eighty thousand ratings for it next up at number 16 we have la n which has a 4.5 with 290,000 ratings. Came out in 1995, directed by Matthew Kasovitz. After a night of rioting in a marginal suburb of Paris, three young friends, Vince, Hubert, and Said, wander around unoccupied, waiting for news about the state of health of a mutual friend who has been seriously injured when confronting the police. Excellent, excellent movie. I got to see it on film this year at the New Oh, yeah, Cinema. that's right. Yeah. It was a really excellent experience. Number 15, we have... Ikiru, directed by Akira Kurosawa, released in 1952. A big story of a little man which will grip your soul. Kanji Watanabe is a middle-aged man who has worked in the same monotonous, bureaucratic position for decades. Learning he has cancer, he starts to look for meaning in his life. 4.5 on Letterboxd. Kurosawa has four in the top 20. That's crazy. He's a legend. 77,000 ratings for Ikiru. Next up at 14, we have City of God. Came out in 2002, directed by Fernando Mirielis. Buscape was raised in a very violent environment. Despite the feeling of that all odds were against him, he finds out that life can be seen with other eyes. Classic film, 4.5 with a 371,000 ratings. Everybody has this on the top of their list. Number 13. 
an incredibly emotional film, another Holocaust movie, Schindler's List, released in 1993, directed by Steven Spielberg the same year he came out with Jurassic Park. Whoever saves one life saves the world entire. The true story of how businessman Oscar Schindler saved over a thousand Jewish lives from the Nazis while they worked as slaves in his factory during World War II. Man, one of the most powerful and emotional films you'll ever see in your entire life. Brilliantly filmed, so well acted by Ray Fiennes and Liam Neeson. Tragic, horrific, but important. 530,000 ratings for it. Next up, we have a 2023 release, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. After reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse where he encounters the Spider Society, a team of spider people charged with protecting the multiverse's very existence. But when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other spiders and must set out on his own to save those he loves most. This is a 4.5 with 1 million ratings. Um, yeah, it's going to close in on... I don't think anything can come close to into the Spider-Verse's ratings. 1.8 million ratings is so many. It's a lot. Yeah, I don't think that any can... Not even this movie can touch that. Yeah, but I mean, Across the Spider-Verse, I loved. It was great, but at 12 all-time for movies that's... You know, I think that's a little recency bias, a little high. Yeah, I, I, I disagree with that, too. I think it's too low on the list. Or too high on the list, whatever, whichever way, However you, way you want to... You perceive. <laughs> top 100, sure, but top 15? I don't know. It's too, it's too early. It's too new. Too soon. Number 11, we have Yee Yee. Actually, we were shown this by Nick. Oh, yeah. Thanks for uh, showing us this excellent film that came out in 2000, directed by Edward Yang. Each member of a family in Taipei asks hard questions about life's meaning as they live through everyday quandaries. It's really funny, really emotional, highly relatable, great family epic. It's excellent. 70,000 ratings. 4.5. Okay, now we're about to crack the top 10, man. Whew. This is it. This is big stuff. At number 10, we have The Human Condition Part 3. Directed again by Kobayashi. After the Japanese defeat to the Russians, Kaji leads the last remaining men through Manchuria. Intent on returning to his dear wife and his old life, Kaji faces great odds in a variety of different harrowing circumstances as he and his fellow men sneak behind enemy lines. This is a 4.5 with 12,000 ratings. Now we have number 9, which is a film that is number 1 on IMDb. The Shawshank Redemption. Y'all know and love this movie. Directed by Frank Darabont. Released in 1994. Fear can hold you prisoner. Hope can set you free. Framed in the 1940s for the double murder of his wife and her lover, upstanding banker Andy Dufresne begins a new life at the Shawshank Prison where he puts his accounting skills to work for an amoral warden. During his long stretch in prison, Dufresne comes to be admired by the other inmates, including an older prisoner named Red, for his integrity and unquenchable sense of hope. 4.5. 975,000 ratings for that one. One of the most adored movies of all time. Yeah, I think this is proof once again. That's crazy. Top 10 of Letterboxd and number one on IMDb. Those are some good stats right there. Pretty good. <laughs> and number good eight, we have The Godfather, which came out in 1972, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Spanning the years between 1945 to 1955, a chronicle of the fictional Italian-American Corleone family. When organized crime family patriarch Vito Corleone barely survives an attempt on his life, 
His youngest son, Michael, steps in to take care of the would-be killers, launching a campaign of bloody revenge. This is a 4.6 with 968,000 ratings. Deserves to be in every top 10 list ever made. It has to be. It's that good of a movie. We saw all the props. Yeah, we went to the Academy Museum. They had a bunch of, they had a whole Godfather section, a whole floor of They had uh, the whole desk, yeah, the was, whole office. Yeah, it was really cool to see. It's the best part of that museum. At number seven, we have the best kidnapping movie ever made. High and low. Directed by Akira Kurosawa, released in 1963. This movie's excellent. So suspenseful, so funny, so creative. An executive of a shoe company becomes a victim of extortion when his chauffeur's son is kidnapped and held for ransom. It's a 4.6, everybody. With uh, 95,000 ratings. This is such a good movie. I'm really loving this top 10 right now. It's a great, great film. Um, what's interesting, it's the twist on the kidnapping where... They went for this guy's son, but they accidentally took his chauffeur's son. And so now he has this predicament of, do I pay the ransom for this kid who isn't mine? It's a great, great story. Next up at number six, we have the only contemporary film in the top ten. Parasite, which came out in 2019, directed by Bong Joon-ho. All unemployed, Kai Tech's family takes peculiar interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks for their livelihood until they get entangled in an unexpected incident. This is a 4.6 with 2.1 million ratings. This is number one rated. Wow. Wow. 2.1. Good, good for you, Parasite. I think uh, Parasite deserves to be on this list for sure. Absolutely. And it's one of my favorite movies of the century. And I respect it being in the top 10. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely deserves to be top 10. It's that good of a movie, and it's only going to age so much better. I think in 20 years, people are still going to look back on it as a top 20 all-time. Oh, for sure. It's a classic already. Number five on Letterboxd Top 100, one of my personal favorites, The Godfather Part 2, released in 1974, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. I don't feel I have to wipe everybody out, Tom, just my enemies. <laughs> In the continuing saga of the Corleone crime family, a young Vito Corleone grows up in Sicily in the 1910s New York. In the 1950s, Michael Corleone attempts to expand the family business into Las Vegas, Hollywood, and Cuba. 4.6, one of the best movies ever made. It's my favorite of the Godfather trilogy, although I think The Godfather is a better movie. I love The Godfather Part 2 just a little more, just a little more. 575,000 ratings. 4.6. Next up at number four, another Akira Kurosawa film, Seven Samurai, which came out in 1954. A samurai answers a village's request for protection after he falls on hard times. The town needs protection from bandits, so the samurai gathers six others to help him teach the people how to defend themselves, and the villagers provide the soldiers with food. A giant battle occurs when 40 bandits attack the village. This is a 4.6 with 191,000 ratings. All right, number three. An episode we just did recently covered this film, 12 Angry Men, released in 1957, directed by the brilliant Sidney Lumet. Life is in their hands. Death is on their minds. The defense and the prosecution have rested in the jury's filing into the jury room to decide if a young Spanish-American is guilty or innocent of murdering his father. 
What begins as an open and shut case soon becomes a mini-drama of each of the jurors' prejudices and preconceptions about the trial, the accused, and each other. Just objectively, one of the greatest scripts of all time and most well-directed movies ever. So number, sensational. Yeah, it's great. At number two, we have Come and See, which came out in 1985, directed by Elam Klimov. The invasion of a village in Belarusia by German forces sends young Floria into the forest to join the weary resistance fighters against his family's wishes. There he meets a girl, Glasha, who accompanies him back to his village. On returning home, Floria finds his family and fellow peasants massacred. His continued store survival amidst the brutal debris of war becomes increasingly nightmarish, a battle between despair and hope. This has a 4.6 rating on 183,000 ratings. This has become a runaway success in the last year or so on social media. Yeah. I'm sorry. It sounded like you said command C. It's come and see. It, that's just, that's what it, I heard. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Did I say like, it too quickly? It sounded like you said one word. Come and see. <laughs> come and see. Come and see. Comancy. That's what I see. Yeah, I can see that. Comancy. <laughs> All right. It's time for the number one movie on the Letterboxd app. I, f- I feel very good about this number one. The only 4.7 on this list and on the app. Harakiri, directed by Masaki Kobayashi, released in 1962. What a movie. The world has never understood why the Japanese prefer death to dishonor. Winner of Pricks. A pre-special du jury at Cannes, 1963, provides the answer. Down on his luck, veteran Sugumu Hanshiro enters the courtyard of the prosperous house of Iyi. Unemployed and with no family, he hopes to find a place to commit seppuku and a worthy second to deliver the coup de grace in his suicide ritual. Seppuku is a suicide that samurai do. The senior counselor for the Iyi clan questions the Ronin's resolve and integrity, suspecting Hanshiro of seeking charity rather than an honorable end. What follows is a pair of interlocking stories which lay bare the difference between honor and respect and promises to examine the legendary foundations of the Samurai Code. What a movie. 4.7 with 77,000 ratings. I am so happy that this is on the list. I discovered it last year and I've watched it three times since because I'm just now obsessed with it and it, I was ashamed of myself for never watching it. Me too. Because it's that good, and it's that just, it's just that perfect of a movie. And it's screenplay, it's direction, it's filmmaking, it, it's cinematography, the sound design. Everything about this film is just unreal, and it's just so deserving of number one. I can't think of a movie that like can top this. And when I found out the two, the top 250 and I saw this on the top, I was like, this is just so great to have this up there. 4.7, the only one with that rating, and it really deserves that. If you look at it, there are so many five-star ratings of, of the film. Uh, 50% of all the ratings are five-star. And that's just, that's just totally accurate. It deserves all of the attention to claim and praise it gets. And that's the Letterboxd Top 100. Wow. Now, the list, I love a lot about it. I love how many international films there are, not just from, obviously, South Korea, Japan, China, yeah. Europe, but also getting a lot of movies from the Middle East in there is actually really great as well because you, you seldom yeah. get a lot of Middle Eastern films in top 100 lists. However, I think there is some recency bias for some of the movies as well as some shockers like we talked about, 2001 Space Odyssey being at 99, one Martin Scorsese movie in the top 100. I'm not sure if all the Lord of the Rings movies should be on this list. For top 100 of all time? Yeah. 
Would you? So you wouldn't put all three Lord of the Rings in the top hundred? I would. Pro, I would put one in three, maybe. I wouldn't put two towers. Two towers. That's interesting. But, I think uh, Sansa of the Lamb should be in the top twenty-five. Um, yeah. I think there should be another Kubrick. I think if I was going to pick another Kubrick, Clockwork Orange. I yeah, think deserves to be on this list. But I mean, I mean, like we said, the app seems to be heavily dominated by younger generations, and some of those movies from the past don't age very well for them. This is true. A, yeah. Clockwork Orange is a movie that I think Gen Z would not like. I'm shocked that Taxi Driver isn't on the top two fifty. That's a movie that I think Gen Z doesn't like, or the generation below that. I mean, yeah, that, that might be true. Yeah, Clockwork Orange. Its rating is a four point one. So yeah, it's just there are some there were some movies that I wish were on this list but aren't on the list. But I think that overall, I think it's just a really great list and in some ways better than the IMDb list. I love the top ten. Yeah, I think the top ten is really terrific. Yeah, I think the top ten is fantastic. Man, I'm rocked. That was a lot of talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we it's been almost two hours but like that was a lot of like intense reading so much reading i'm just like james james doesn't like to read i like (laughs) i like to read in my head when i read didn't know you could read silently (laughs) um but i'm exhausted i need i need some coffee pulp fiction i think should be there's no tarantino's on here except for glorious bastards i think pulp fiction should be on this list realize that yeah i I was i was looking for it while we were filming and i was like wow one scorsese one tarantino pulp fiction is a 4.3 4.3 didn't make the cut. It's a 4.28, technically. It'll never be on the list. It's because like, it's, it's got 1.6 million ratings, so it's, it's going to be, it's going to stay where it is, a Pulp Fiction. It's in the top 250, but not in the top 100. So I was, I was shocked at Pulp Fiction, because Pulp Fiction, you think of, there are movies that change the landscape of cinema. Pulp Fiction's one of them. It changed everything. Every, like, people thought about movies in a different way, especially filmmakers after a Pulp Fiction. And um, so I was surprised that it wasn't on this list. You know, I'm surprised there aren't as many. I thought there'd be a couple more horror movies. I thought Rosemary's Baby should be on this list, and I yeah, thought Alien too. should be on this list. Yeah, I, I, I was expecting Alien. I'm pretty shocked. And there wasn't much sci-fi, I will say. Not I think a lot of horror, not Bla- a lot of I sci-fi. I think Blade Runner should be on this list. Um, 2001's on the list, but I think Blade Runner should definitely be on the list too because science fiction doesn't look like... Um, it's on much of these top 100, not even the top 250. It's not really up there. Blade Runner's letterboxed is... I'm surprised Gladiator's not on here, too. Gladiator. I can see why Gladiator doesn't make it. I would put it, but I can understand that. Blade Runner's only a 4.1, so it's not even in the top 250. And then Gladiator, let's see what its letterbox is. Gladiator is a 4.1 as well, so not in the top 250. You know who's not in the top 100? Steve, oh, he's got... Steven Spielberg? Is there one in there? Schindler's List. Okay, Schindler's List. Yeah. But Jaws? Jaws. Oh, my. Oh, shit. I didn't even think. Jaws Jaws isn't in the top 100? Jaws is a 4.1, I believe. How? Jaws is a (laughs) 4. Anthony almost fell out of his chair. (laughs) How is Jaws not in the top 100? I I just don't think um, it's aged well for um, the recent generations, I would say. I think that... from what I've seen, from whenever we post content about Jaws, people think it's, it looks cheesy. Uh, maybe they haven't seen it. They don't understand the film. Like, you look at reviews. This reminds me of Shark Tale, three and a half. The shark is to beaches what the Grinch is to Christmas, three and a half. Um, I'm not sure it's a movie that... Oh, my God. I can't believe it's not even in the top 250. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love and hate Letterboxd, man. Love and hate it. I don't hate it. It's just, you know, it's... it's 
it's just a different communities on Letterboxd as opposed to the community that rates movies on IMDb. Wow. Anyways, <laughs> it's still a great list. Still, oh great. yeah, it's still a really good it's, list. It's very good sauce. It's, it's put too many onions in the sauce. <laughs> All right, that wraps our Letterbox <laughs> Top 100 episode. Thanks for tuning in to Raiders of Lost Podcast. The best way to support our show is to share us with your family and friends who love movies, who love cinema. Help them discover our show. It's the best way to grow this podcast. In addition to leaving those five-star ratings on Spotify and Apple, we love reading the five-star reviews on Apple as well. Plus, becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our Chosen One patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy-Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian, Tyler McFly, and Sal Koching. Our Chosen One patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button as well, notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.